Welcome to Publicites, the only podcast that provides weekly youth sports-related content focusing on hockey and figure skating with the information you need to level the playing field. Here's your hosts, Chris Resendiz and Dave Kleinberg. Hi, Public Ice listeners. Do you need expert skate advice? Is your profile correct? Do you have the correct blade? Do you have the appropriate boot? Are you in the correct hollow? Is there rust on your blade? I want to talk to you today about Home Ice Boston. Home Ice Boston is owned and operated by Ace Lynn Monk, a former professional figure skater and current Theater on Ice international silver medalist. Home Ice Boston is committed to your success on the ice and provides superior customer service and support. All you have to do is go to homeiceboston.com or email Aislinn, A-I-S-L-I-N-N, at homeiceboston.com and mention Public Ice sent you. Chris, what's going on today? Not too much, Dave, but looking forward to the great show that we're putting together this evening. Looks like we're getting closer to opening up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've got a few states opening up now. We've got Colorado, um, Florida, uh, Colorado, Florida. I'm trying to think who else. is actually Arizona actually just opened up their ice rinks. So, yeah, definitely. And Alaska. Uh, Alaska. But, um, yeah, exciting news. I know all the kids are looking forward to going back. Um, I was closer to home. I was looking at uh, the Rhode Island uh governor's site um i think it was reopening ri dot com and uh they they do have a little bit of information on uh youth sports uh inform- you know opening up so reopening dot com uh, it's something that i look at i don't know if you've looked at that um but they have quite a bit of information so they talk about how um the different uh kids need to be um i guess they they Put them, put kids into what they call stable groups um, with a maximum of 15 people. So it means the same individuals, children, staff, and any adult leaders remain in the same group over the course of the program. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. Uh, I know Providence Hockey Club actually uh, emailed some things out to us uh, in regards to that uh, opening up next week. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, there's definitely, they're saying that uh, hand cleaning is necessary. So I guess you clean your hands and then you put the hockey gloves on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say they, they need to clean their hands on before and after because otherwise their, their gloves smell so bad. <laughs> oh, my. Gloves are the worst. I mean, the, the, I don't know if anyone has ever made a smell-proof hockey glove. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're better with using Febreze and drying them out. Uh, there's ways to, to stop the smell, but um, we actually, uh, my wife and I have used uh, these stuff for dogs. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like um, it actually gets into the bacteria and kills it. So and that seems to do a decent job, but yeah, you're never going to get the stink out of the gloves. So I know we have uh, someone on today that's going to be talking about uh, some of this stuff, but uh, Aislinn sells this product. Um, that we use for um, for skates and everything that will is amazing and it's completely natural and organic. Um, but man, it, you spray it on on the stuff and it's it takes the stink away immediately. So oh, awesome. maybe we'll we'll find the uh, inventor of this product and get them on and <laughs> bring, have have our kids stuff and they can uh, yeah. do a do a testing of our, that versus Febreze or something. 
Yeah, definitely. And what one thing is is have you seen the sanitization stations? I have, and I'm really interested in that because I think you don't find a lot of them. But I'm wondering if more rinks and programs, if if, if they get created in bulk, whether uh, this will be more affordable for people to use. Because I don't think it's very cheap, is it? Uh, it's not too expensive, especially because you're not doing it every time that the, the kid comes off the ice. Um, so it's not really that expensive. I know mid-season this year, we actually, the entire team used it only because um, there was sickness going around the locker room. And uh, and the entire team did it. I think it was $35 to get it, everything sanitized. So For the whole team? Yeah, no, $35 for each each set. Gotcha. So, but it's which so, isn't horrible because you don't do it very often. Now, I think you know that also helps protect against uh, like staph infections and all that stuff. So, um, I can see them being placed in more rinks, more um, uh, pro shops. So maybe that's something we can find out to you know reach out to them and to see if uh, they've been doing a lot more. Now, I seem to recall at the beginning of the. Uh, COVID uh, um, pandemic uh, that they were using those machines to um, sanitize personal protecting yep. uh, equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd seen an article about that as well. So all PPE uh, face masks that could not the one time use the, um, the N90 was it N95 N- N95 and probably the ventilator equipment and all that stuff. Yes, exactly. And they were using the steam to actually sterilize it. So, cuz that's what those systems utilize. And it's it's really funny the <laughs> how the sports community is being thrust into building products that can be used by the medical community. I mean, we saw that with Bauer and uh, other firms making face shields. Yep, exactly. Well, I mean, Bauer is a, a tr- trusted name in face shield protection. <laughs> Yeah. They just they just switch gears. I mean, I, I, if you if you can stop a puck flying at your face, um, then I think uh, a little small microscopic germ is is no problem. So I heard that kids are going to be wearing the um, the globes or whatever they want to call it, the full fat plastic face shields now um, instead of the cages. Is that true? There's some there's some uh, things some recommendations from USA Hockey that are coming out that that um, next season a lot of rinks will actually require you to have the fish bowls, uh, which is what we call it. Like, but it, it doesn't have to be the full face shield. It at least has to be the half shield with the bottom portion. So it has to be the combo. If, so college will probably go that route. Probably, uh, I, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't, um, because they're I mean they're full grill right now. So, but. I, I don't see why. The, the biggest problem is the supplies and, and so forth. So let me ask you this. Why do, uh, you know, I've never tried one on. Why do players like that over the, sh- over the cage? Because the cage, or, you or don't vice lose. Versa. Well, like Blake, for instance, Blake played with a fishbowl until last year. Um, now, when you have a fishbowl, the, 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 some of the, the negativity about it is that it, it will fog up. Um, and so you go to the grill because it never fogs up. But you will lose the puck in grill lines. So gotcha. if it's a black face mask and it's and the pucks, puck's black, obviously you're going to lose it in occasion. Um, but then the fishbowl sometimes will steam up. So, but we've actually switched him back to a fishbowl just because of the, the, what's expected from USA Hockey. You do see a lot of college players wearing the cage and junior players wearing the cage, not, not the fishbowl. Yep. Um, so I just wonder if it's just easier to breathe. 
um, you know, that's that's probably the biggest thing, right? Your air, your wind. So, yeah. Well, if you do the half shield, um, or not the, not the half shield, but the the combo grill, I think it's called, um, where it has the bottom portion of the grill and then just the the shield across the eyes, you can breathe pretty well in those. Uh, now, the only thing I would say is it's the fogging up. Um, you have to keep those very clean. Uh, they start to get scratched up. It's harder to see once they start to get scratched up. So you have to really replace those a lot more often. And the grills, it's easier. So I think now is a great time to get into our interview with Aislinn Monk, the owner of Home Ice Boston Skating Shop. All right. So today on the Public Ice podcast, we have the owner of Home Ice Boston, Aislinn Monk. Aislinn, how are you doing today? I'm well, thanks. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to a good show. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, So I guess we always start off our episodes that today is probably the 3,000th day of the quarantine or the COVID Sounds uh, stay-at-home order. So I take it <laughs> uh, I take it the physical store is not open right now? Um, as of now, no, it is not. However, we did get the green light from our governor to start doing curbside pickup on the 26th. Um, so it's just a few days away. Now, the only thing is it, I'm in an interesting situation because my store is a retail store, but it is located inside the Skating Club of Boston, which is an ice skating rink. So I am taking appointments for, I've had some folks reach out about sharpening. Um, they can drop their skates off outside the building. They're not allowed to enter the building. I will then get the skates, sharpen them can bring them back out and we can do the payment online so that there's no need to interact with uh, credit cards or cash just again for safety protocol, but it has to be booked in advance and I have to make sure the times um, are okay with the ice rinks office because they have to have staff there um, to, you know, keep an eye on things and, and keep the rink open for us. But baby steps, we are making progress, but we are not open for any sort of set hours. And so I take it, really, fittings are out of the question. At this point in time, yes. What I have been doing with customers who, um, let's say they know their skates are are too small, they've outgrown them, or they're broken down, they need new ones. Uh, Customers are reaching out to me now via email. They're sending me uh, pictures of the skates they currently wear, a picture of their foot on the insole of their skate. So that way I can get the ball rolling and make sure I have stock. Um, and options in store. I'm hoping, again, I don't want to jinx it, but I I try to be an optimistic person. I'm hoping the next couple weeks I can start having one person, maybe one child and one parent at a time in the store to start doing some fittings. Um, But it just, it's all up in the air and we'll have to see what our, our our government tells us. So how is the I was I was wondering how is the product availability right now? So if if I wanted to um, order a new pair of skates, um, you know, typically, you know, when when we work with you, you know, you as you said, you you know, you you get the appropriate skates and and you know, let us know what's you know what you have to do for getting things in stock or you know special ordering, but that was before when if you you know when you needed the special order, you just place the order and you know, a week later, or, you know, I don't, I don't remember the timeframes, but you would tell us when to come back, we would come back, and you would have the different skates for Anna to try on. What about right now? What are they um, telling you from the different manufacturers? 
Oh man, the, our, our poor manufacturers. They are, the problem is they don't really know what to tell us right now. Um, some products are here, they're readily available, and that's mainly because there's already plentiful source of them before we had the pandemic. Um, now, certain models and certain brands, well, a lot of them are made in different countries, right? Even um, products that will say made in America or made in Canada that you think wouldn't be too hard to get here. If the pro even if the product is made here, it oftentimes uses materials or sources that are from overseas. So the, the chain supply is a little screwy right now. And I couldn't really give you an answer of uh, this brand has things in stock, this brand doesn't, because it really just comes down to the specific item. So what, again, what I'm telling people to do is plan ahead. Don't wait for the ice rinks to open and then think that's the time to go in and order something. Um, hopefully luck will be on your side and they, we can get it to you. If not that day, then within a week or two, but I, I fear that there are going to be some skaters who are waiting for a while to get products just because, you know, not everyone's been able to go to work. Um, factories have been shut down. So if people can't, you know, go to the factories to create the products and then ship the products, it, simply put, it's just the, the whole chain supply is, is a little backed up. Um, not with all products. Again, I'd say out of the customers that have reached out to me, only half of them, we've had to get creative and maybe come up with either a second option or they say, oh, nope, I can survive in my current skates for another month and they can handle a month waiting time. But it, you're right to ask that question is something that it, not just in the skating industry, but worldwide, you just think about how, you know, it, so many industries now rely on, on products and shipping from other countries. And it, it, it might be a while till we are totally back to quote unquote normal. Your business has been around for, I mean, I think uh, we've, as long as my daughter has been figure skating. So I want to say at least three years. Is that correct? So yeah, my actual business home ice um, is a little over three years old. And before I started home ice, um, the, the location I'm currently in, was occupied by another franchise, um, a Connecticut-based skating company called Skaters Landing. So I first moved to Boston to be that store manager and did that for a little over a year. And uh, there was an opportunity to buy out that location because they wanted to consolidate and stay in Connecticut. So I bought out uh, that location, um, remaining inventory and equipment, and then uh, started my own business and obviously new LLC. And so Home Ice itself has been around for yeah, a little over three years now. Now, you do more than just figure skates and sharpening, right? You will also sharpen hockey skates? I do sharpen hockey skates, yes. Um, Boston is does not have a shortage of hockey players and hockey teams, so... Uh, especially our location we're in, we'll get uh, college students from BU, MIT, Harvard, um, lots of high school kids, a um, couple men's leagues, pickup leagues. So I would say we, let's say during a, a busy month for us, um, a typical December, January, we can do anywhere from 10 to 20 hockey sharpenings in a week. 
Um, so yeah, we're definitely not figure skate only when it comes to sharpening. As far as selling hockey equipment, I am not there yet. We'll do things like laces and stuff, um, easy things to grab at the, the register, but I definitely need to learn a little bit more or perhaps hire somebody with a hockey background because one thing I'm really adamant about with my business is that I don't want to sell something that I don't really know and can fully endorse or understand. And while I come from a hockey family, I am just a one trick pony and I'm pretty much figure skating only. So it's something I'm interested in possibly expanding more into, but I need to do my homework a lot more. Let's say I'm, I'm, my son is uh, is thinking about doing figure skating. Um, if if I was to come into your shop and, and, and have him fitted for boots, um, can you kind of walk me through your process of how that would happen? Sure. Um, first thing is, yep, make an appointment. Um, that's one thing that, especially if you're new to the sport, you wouldn't think to do that. Nobody goes to locker and thinks, oh gosh, I need to make an appointment to try on shoes. So I totally understand um, when I get new customers in who are new to the sport, who didn't realize they need an appointment. The thing I I remind people about this is that uh, number one, the skate size and shoe size are different. So you need to get measured. Um, Every single skate brand has their own measuring stick. So you might be, say, a size 6 in a Rydell and a 7 in a Jackson and a 250 in a Dea. Um, They don't make it easy on you. So that's why we don't just let people come in and try things on. And then aside from figuring out the size, you also want to navigate um, different types of boots. And typically... Certain kinds of boots are going to fit certain shapes of feet easier. Um, so let's say wide foot versus narrow foot, high arch, flat foot, high instep. Um, your sh- the shape of your foot's not going to totally dictate what boot you're in, but it can give you a, an idea of what might be a more natural, easy fit, especially if you're new to the sports. And then the last bit is you need to match the skating level. So obviously don't want to take a very beginner skater and put them in an advanced boot. Um, this is a big misconception. I'll, I'll hear people say they, um, they want the best. I want the best for my kid. I want the top of the line. I want the, the Cadillac of skates. And in the skating world, more money does not equal better or better quality there. You want to make sure you get good quality, but you can have a good quality skate for a beginner and a good quality skate for you know, the 20 other categories or levels of skating you want to say there is. But um, basically, the more advanced equipment gets, the stiffer and the stronger it gets. So if you're a beginner skater, you're not doing triple jumps. You don't need the highest stiffness rating of a boot. Um, In fact, if you are in a boot that's too strong, you're most likely going to be miserable. Um, So it's just a complicated web of factors and variables. So we walk you through all of that. We talk about price points. We talk about levels the skates are intended for. That's something you want to think about uh, with kids and adults differently. If you're an adult and you know your foot is done growing, maybe you're a very beginner now, but you want this pair of skates to last you several years and you want to advance and learn how to do your first jump in it. So obviously we need to take that into account. Whereas if I get a five-year-old who's a very beginner, 
I'm not going to worry about them needing a skate strong enough for jumping because we know they're going to outgrow that skate before they get to that level. You know what I mean? Yep. Makes perfect sense. Um, actually, it's a very th- thorough process you're going to put through pe- put people through. So that's that's awesome. And every single time that I'm in your in the shop, someone will come in trying to get a you know to size their kids up for skates or uh, get a sharpening. But you already have five people in the store, um, and and you're running around doing all five things. It's amazing. Yeah, right. And it, there's nothing worse, especially now when I'm sitting at home and it, like the thought of a customer is something I salivate at, but. It's uh, it can be kind of heartbreaking when you have people come in and want to give you business and you have to turn them away. And especially I'll get the, the really sad stories where they say, but I drove all the way from uh, New Hampshire. I came up from Rhode Island and I'm like, I'm so sorry. But, um, you know, we especially during the, the height of skating season. So your winter months are colder months and, and on weekends we'll we'll have days that are completely booked and it just comes down to there's only one sharpener, uh, a sharpening machine. There's only one me. Um, I do have part-time help. Uh, I have several employees who all have extensive figure skating backgrounds and they're great, but we only have so many hands and heads and uh, it, it definitely gets hopping in the store on weekends. And it's so weird to think about that now where it's just, it's a total ghost town when you step outside your house and it, it's so otherworldly to think just a few months ago, I'm probably, I'm sure Dave probably was in there on a busy Saturday or Sunday. And I probably was doing a million things at once, like a mad woman. Now, is it uh, safe to say though, like one of the, um, one of the indications of, of the, the people that go, you know, your customers is, not only do you have a lot of the, the beginner skaters, but you definitely have a lot of the super high-end skaters as your um, clients. Yeah, and uh, it's fun to talk about them. And I, I, I can't take credit. It's not like I'm their coach or anything, but I do feel like a certain sense of pride. Um, I have a, a skater who represented Team USA at the Youth Olympics this uh, past season. I've had multiple skaters that uh, compete at U.S. nationals, which means they've qualified through regionals and sectionals. And I cannot take credit for that by any means. It comes from extraordinary talent, hard work, and great coaching. But I, I do get a little excited when I say, like, I sharpen that blade. So clearly I'm not terrible at what I do. <laughs> but they, prob- they probably trust you more than anything else, right? Because that, if something's not working right, you know, you, you, know, you have – a piece of it, right? Like, you know, Oh, if it... for sure. And, uh, that's why, um, I, I, people ask me, you know, speaking of when you pop into the store and we're crazy busy and can't accommodate more people and they'll say, well, you got to get more employees and train more people. And yes, that is the dream, but all it takes is one bad sharpening or one bad customer experience to leave your store and you're toast. Um, the skating world is so tight knit and, uh, now it's not to say everybody's going to love what you do. There's a, it's like getting to know a new hairstylist, right? One person can love that hairstylist and the other person can hate them. But there's a, there's a difference between having a sharpening that you just don't quite jive with or having just a bad experience. And so it, there's a tremendous amount of trust that goes into when you meet a new customer and you earn their trust to sharpen their skates or handle their equipment for the first time, because 
I can just tell you from experience, I know what it's like to go into an entry edge for a camel spin and just wipe out and smash your chin on the ice. And, and it, I, I know that pain of having a poor sharpening or of being in skates that are not the right match. And it's, uh, I just feel a sense of responsibility for making sure that I try to fully understand the customer and what they want, what is going to be best for them and just making sure I can keep them safe and uh, keep them happy. So Chris, now hockey players, they would travel for miles, correct? For a, an appropriate sharpening. Yeah. I don't want to answer that Dave. Um, but I, I guess I will. Uh, I travel 40 minutes just to get my skates and my son's sharp skate sharpened because of that exact reason. Um, Aislinn, you're hundred percent right. I've, I've gone to other places and it's, you're all of a sudden your left edge is shaved off or, or something happens um, or it's an important game or, or in your, your equipment's the most important thing. So um, yeah, so I know that. So I, I will definitely have to have to try you out um, especially from the, the care that you put into the, 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 the uh, sharp things. So oh, man. pressure is on. Yeah. There you go. Know, I was just saying, because, because hockey players are crazy. I, if you, you'll kind of laugh at this, but I actually traveled to Canada to get my steel. So, because they couldn't sell them in the United States, so I'd go to Toronto to get the steel oh, yeah. for my son's blades. So we're yep. we're we're a unique breed. So Die now hard. I will I will say, Asim, back in the day there was a guy um, Chris remembers Ken, I think his name was. Yeah, Ken's and, and all he did <laughs> was sharpen skates. I mean, it really wasn't anything else. Um, but you know, you you know what? How you know my size? So you know, he would sharpen my skates, and I kid you not that those you know, the, the blades would last, you know, a month with one sharpening. If I go mm-hmm. to, to any of the big box stores, you know, to, you know, the hockey stores, um, the, it, three games and I'm done. Yeah. So it's definitely, but, but man, it would take him, how long would it take him to sharpen that oh, skate? It, it would take him 40 minutes to, and if you, you'd always just drop him off and, and go grab lunch. Cause if you stayed there, he'd talk for the whole 40 minutes and he would, great conversation. But you were there for 40 minutes while he sharpened the skates. But there was something he did to them that they would stay sharp and, like, razor sharp for so long. So, now, Ace, that, that brings me up to another question. Like, when you're actually doing, like, a skate profiling for, like, a new person, like, let's say my son is, is starting out in this, um, do you recommend, like, certain hollows or is there anything that you recommend for a beginner that you may recommend in a different way for experienced Skaters? So that's a great question. And actually, I would say one of the biggest misconceptions in the sport when it comes to sharpening and, and maintenance, um, there's this conception that the sharp, the, the more advanced skater you are, the sharper the blade you need. First of all, sharp, the, the sharpness is really a misconception, um, a misnomer, because what we're actually looking at is the depth of the hollow. So I always tell people, take your skate or your blade rather, hold it up to your eye, look down the length of it. You're going to see, I call them little cat ears. You have two edges, your inside and outside edge. This is not a, a, a one edge uh, profile like a knife. Um, what we do when we sharpen it is we either maintain, deepen, or... Um, re-enhance the the hollow so that's that negative space between your two edges the deeper that hollow is the sharper your skates feel the more shallow that hollow is the more dull the skates feel and I again you can't see me because this is a podcast but I'm doing my little quotation bunny earmarks with my fingers because sharpness and dullness is not quite the right term 
Um, but the depth is what you associate as sharp. Um, so generally with, uh, figure blades, most blades will have a recommended hollow. Um, again, we use radius of hollow. So if you take that little hollow, the, the scoop of your blade, let it fill out into an imaginary circle. We measure it by the radius. So the most common, what we kind of consider industry standard for figure skates is half inch hollow. That's also a very common one for hockey. There's not a big difference between the, the hollows for hockey and figure scares. You see a lot of overlap there. So half inch hollows kind of, uh, that's your standard. That's your fallback. So if you get a new customer and you ask, you know, what's your radius of hollow or how do you like your skate sharpen? And they don't know. First thing I can do is look and try to measure it. Um, and usually I can get a pretty good estimate from that. But if it's been a long, long time since they sharpened, uh, half inch hollow is a safe place to start. And then what it's important to make sure you tell the skater what it is. That way, if they come back and say, you know what, you sharpened them at half inch hollow last time and it felt a little too sharp. I know that what they need is a more shallow hollow, say five eighths. Um, or if they say you did half inch last time and I'd like it just a little sharper, then I can do seven sixteenths or three eighths. Um, so it, every blade is going to have a recommended radius for the hollow. Um, and sometimes they'll va vary on the width. Uh, again, this is generalized, but a wider blade, you can usually get away with a more shallow hollow. A more narrow blade, skaters will sometimes prefer a deeper hollow. Um, a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Uh, some skaters just really like a, a sharp, a deep hollow. Um, other skaters hate that feeling and they feel like it's sticky and like they can't stop. Um, but it's not related to uh, level. I have skaters who are just barely doing a, a march across the ice who have a 5.8 hollow. And I have skaters who are doing triple toe loop who have a 5.8 hollow. Um, a general rule of thumb that can be a factor is the skater's height and weight. If you are a bigger, stronger, heavier person, you're going to be able to sink into the ice and grip the ice with your edges a little easier than if you're, you know, a little 50 pound bibbity bop who is just not really putting any pressure into the ice just yet. So um, to answer your question, <laughs> I don't really have a good answer. It's just a lot of it comes down to personal preference. For every rule I think I have found out about sharpening, I'll have a customer that just completely shatters that rule. Gotcha. Now, have you heard of a 3 8 I'm trying to think of my son's is a 3 8 or is 5 8 Well, it, you, it's really both of those it's a deep are, hollow. Deep hollow would be 3 8 um, okay. And I have lots of figure scares. And actually, I have quite a few hockey players who like the three eights. Um, most of those hockey players are young, pretty slender guys. I don't think they're weighing much more than 120 pounds or so. Yeah. That would be my son. He weighs about 97 pounds. So there you um, go. He loves the three eights. So think oh. about like, you know, when you have really icy roads and I grew up driving a truck in Montana and I just remember when the roads were really icy, my dad would throw a couple spare tires in the back because it helps prevent fishtailing because you have the weight and the pressure pushing into the ice. Um, whereas if you're being a 16 year old driving a, a pickup truck around and you turn a corner a little too quickly, you're going to fishtail. So think about that analogy with skaters. Your son's probably like a truck that doesn't have extra tires in the back. He's not weighing very much. He's not pushing down as much as, say, somebody who's 180 pounds. 
Yep. No, that's a great description. I appreciate that. That, that explains a little bit more why why I can't skate on a three eights. So now, and, but you know what? I think I found a rule there. But I can also tell you, I have a two hundred pound guy who loves three eights. So gotcha. it's just it's a wide world out there of preferences. Now, a two hundred pound <laughs> figure skater or a hockey player? A hockey player. Okay, because it gives me hope to figure skate. <laughs> yeah, now, absolutely. Now, do you have you ever done or do you do sharpen flat bottom be flat bottom V's or anything along those lines? Um, I do not. I do not have the equipment to do the V hollow. Okay. Well, now what's the difference between the V hollow and like the, the normal hollow or is there, does that give you more surface area or are you familiar with it in that terms? Uh, you know what? I have not experienced it because from my understanding, it's not something you, that I know of that anybody's done with a figure blade, but I've talked to hockey players who've done it and I've had some who swear by it and they say that they'll pay like $10 extra and they think it's worth every penny. I've had hockey players say, I don't know the darn difference. It's all the same to me. Um, The idea, the argument I've heard is that it's supposed to allow better glide with less friction. Okay. I cannot speak to the physics of that or if it's um, a placebo effect or if there, I'm sure there is some truth to it. Cause if it was complete hooey, it, it wouldn't have stuck around. We tried a flat bottom via my son skates one time. And um, I would tell you it was the worst, worst game he's ever played in. And he really? yelled at me afterwards. He's like, do not ever do that to my skates again. <laughs> so, so, so I've never played around with it, but I was just always curious uh, if, if it really did what, like what the advantages were. So. I've only had Anna's skate sharpened once by someone other than Aislin. So I'm pleading guilty. That's okay. Um, no judgment. But, but that was, um, I, I believe it was a day that you were not open. And it was kind of one of those, um, Anna probably hadn't had her skate sharpened in a very long time. And it was, you know, going into the whole synchro competition season. So it was. Yep. When you need so, it, you need it. Sorry about that. No um, but. Went in there and they were asking. That I could have sworn that they asked if she wanted like an F3 or an F4. Um, it was some weird code, and I'm like, I don't know. I know several shops that will do that, um, and I, I'm guessing it's more them trying to come up with a code to simplify things. Uh, maybe they think their customer will have an easier time remembering. D2 than remembering seven sixteenths. Um, but if you, when you get down to it, anyone who is sharpening is measuring the depth of the hollow. Um, and my guess is some shops will just use it as like a second language or code that just helps them. Um, I, I don't, I choose to just use the hollow measurements because I try to make sure skaters understand their equipment as best they can. Um, it's incredible how many skaters are out there who are fabulous, incredibly talented skating for 15 plus years. And they've never actually stopped to think about what their blades are like a a hollow. What's the radius of hollow. And you ask them and they say, "I, I have no clue. I don't know what I, I skate at. I didn't even know there was a hollow or they, they just don't stop to think about the, the design of their blades. And I think it's um, it's important for one reason, because uh, like Dave just mentioned, sometimes you find yourself in a pinch and you can't go to your typical skate person. You got to wing it and try somebody new. And 
you should have the knowledge of your equipment to be able to say half inch hollow or seven sixteenths. Um, and if the person looks at you like they don't know what you're talking about, then you run and get the heck out of there. But um, it's also important because I think it helps you as a skater if you understand that. That way, the next time your coach is yelling at you, you're on a flat edge, you need to get on the outside edge. If you can picture and envision in detail the shape and structure of your blade, I think it, it only helps you as a skater. That's why my son actually wrote three eights on the, on the, the white portion of his hockey blade. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. A lot of skaters will do that. So there's a there's a blade question that I have, and this is going to go across both hockey and figure skating, but it's a little bit different vein. So I've seen a number of times, quite a bit actually, uh, in hockey where the blade snaps. And it's not just in the NHL. I've seen it in, you know, beer leagues where a puck hits the blade or what have not, and the blade just snaps in half. Um, now in figure skating... Um, has that ever happened? I mean, the amount of force that's coming down on a triple or a quad jump where the steel just breaks. I have seen cases where it's more common instead of the blade itself breaking that the screws were loose or there was moisture seeping into the sole where the, the, um, the blades mounted and the whole blade just pops off or the heel pops off. Um, so you do see that quite often. I have seen rare cases where the blade itself has cracked um, or split. Um, that I'm trying to think. I can think of three cases off the top of my head where I've seen that. One was on a brand new blade actually while I was mounting it. So that was just clearly a manufacturing error and it was a just poor quality. So we, and it was $300 blade. So there's no excuse for that, but the company was great. They replaced it right away and they said, yep, that is, that's unacceptable. I've also had a couple skaters bring their skates into me where there's been a crack in the blade. And I ask, um, did, did you know there's a crack there? And then there's a bit of a guessing game of when that crack occurred and if it was over time or just, you know, it, if you've had a set of blades and you're skating several hours a week and you're getting into three or four years, I've seen cracks occur, um, but I can't imagine it occurs as often as it does in hockey just due to the nature of we don't have uh, really hard pieces of rubber flying around at our feet, you know, not ideally. I'd hope not in a figure skating competition, but <laughs> you never, you never know. That's, that would be interesting. Maybe, maybe we can come up with a new sport that way. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Skating's so, not dangerous enough. Let's exactly. <laughs> so Chris and I, Chris and I were having a discussion a couple weeks ago about skating blades in figure skating versus in hockey. Now, Chris, I'll ask you this. What is the most expensive um, hockey blade? Uh, most expensive hockey blade? That's interesting. Um, well, you could probably go to the step steel with uh, that, that gold interlace or, or, or so forth and so on or the black step steel. Um, but they're, they're comparable. I'd say probably about $165 is the top blade that you can get. Um, from a hockey perspective, but we always go with Titan, uh, Titan blades manufactured out of Canada, just because I've always loved the hardened steel. Like, um, one of the things you probably notice this Aislinn when you're sharpening skates is, is it, ha it produces a different, a completely different sound than a normal, uh, Bauer blade or anything like that, because this, the, just the quality of steel is so much better. Yeah. Um, but I'd be curious about that. Like from a, a, uh, a figure skating perspective, but we kind of talked about blades earlier. What do you think is probably one of the highest quality? 
Uh, well, if we're talking about price, um, the, I'd say the most expensive, aside from customs, because you know you can get a, a custom blade with your name engraved on it and all that, the bells and whistles. But um, let's say like a, a gold seal revolution is going to be right around seven hundred dollars. Um, now I will say I, I'm pretty sure hockey you have you're switching out your blade much more often than a figure blade. Um, at least. I would yeah. hope. I, I hope a figure scare is not going through a seven hundred dollar blade that quickly, but you you never know. Um, so yeah, as far as quality of steel and how it sharpens, um, for me, sharpening there's nothing like a Wilson or MK. That's the the Sheffield England steel, and it just it's like butter. And it, it's um it's funny that so technically you're you're more expensive blades tend to sharpen easier than your lower quality. Just, um, I always compare it to if you have a, you're, you're getting butter on a knife, you're going to put butter on a roll and you just, with your knife, you go and you skim the top of the butter and it just comes off nice and smooth. Whereas with, uh, lower quality blades, it's like a frozen piece of butter and you're just stabbing at trying to get like any little piece off the top. It's brittle. It comes off in, in strips and chunks versus just a a nice smooth finish. Um, and you'll see that in figure and hockey blades, um, just a really nice quality steel. It sharpens a lot easier. Now with the butter bread, you're talking my language. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but I, I completely understand what you're saying. It seems like, and that's one of the reasons why we switched to the Titan blades, just because we've, we've liked the quality of steel. Um, and yeah, my son does have his name in, have you seen the T-Blade from Germany? This is more hockey related. It's that weird blade that has like the six giant holes in it. No, I haven't seen uh, that. I have sharpened hockey blades that have cutouts in the blade. Um, I've seen it in figure blades as well, um, but I've, they're not it's, common. No, there was, a, there was one Bruin, Dennis Seidenberg, uh, who used it and it made a very bizarre sound but i don't believe you actually even get them sharpened uh, you just change the blade out i might be thinking of something different then because um, i know there are blades with cutouts in them and the sound might be from i don't know air passing in and out of the holes as the skater skates but i'm gonna have to plead ignorance on this one i don't know a whole lot about it yeah no i think it's it's used a lot on those um um, that new sport, the the ice cross or something like that, where they skate down the the it's like a bobsled run with like four skaters. Oh, that looks awesome! That's on my bucket list. My son, all my son wants to do is it's the X Games, and they actually like they just did it in Minnesota most recently, where they're skating down those ramps and jumping. Is right, that it's like that. No, no, this is where it's they're they're four skaters. And they go down a bobsled track, and they and they can like hit each other going down the down the ice, and then the winner is the winner. But it's like you know one of the new. It is like an X game sport. Yeah, it's an X game sport. It's it looks awesome. It's they go down jumps. They it's actually not a bobsled. It's actually specifically designed for that. Um, we watch it every time it's on. Uh, I can't think of the name of the sport. Do you have Do you have an idea, Aislinn? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've watched it many times, and I I don't know what the actual name of it is, but I to me it just looks like murder skating. Yes, like something I need to do at one point in my lifetime, but <laughs> will definitely regret the next day. 
See, I, I know I would get killed even trying to go down it on my own. So, so I'm going to leave that to the professionals, but it does look like an awesome sport. So you do, so Aeson, you grew up skating and you still skate, correct? Correct. Definitely not to the extent I did when I was young and spry, but I, back before, let's say pre-coronavirus world, I was, I try skate two or three hours a week just um, to stay aware of products. I, anytime there's something new, I like to test it out. And also it's, it's an addiction, man. You can't quit it. Once you're in this deep, it's, it's something you're just stuck to. But you still do the, I, I mean, I know you do, do you still do the theater on ice? Uh, that I, I was going to do it this season. We had started. I don't know about next season, just since we're moving to the new facility. So there'll be a lot of new working pieces, but um, let's say for conversation purposes, yeah, I still skate with theater on ice. Um, it's, I compare it to like a, at least for my team, we're all like, uh, we call ourselves the husbands. We're all like former professional skaters and, and competitive skaters. We're in our thirties and, uh, it's like a, a men's pickup league, but for figure skaters. And it's, it's a good way to just stay on the ice and remember what you love about the sport, make some friends along the way. So Chris, just to give you some, some insight, when she says a pick, like a men's beer league or pickup league, yeah, she's, Asen is doing like triples out there. Oh, yeah. um, no, no, guys. it has been many years since I've done triples. Well, I'll it looks like a triple. A double every now and then, but <laughs> um, triples don't happen anymore. And then you have one guy who's doing a backflip. Oh yeah, no, I, I oh, get yeah. it. I get it. It's yeah. like it's like when all the ex pros come out and play hockey, and it's it's something something similar. Now, Aislinn, I have to ask you a question. I always ask my son this, um, and and I can share his answer afterwards. But what's your favorite thing about being on the ice? See, my son, and maybe this will give you some ideas, but my son always tells me it's the smell of the ice and the feeling of the cool, crisp air when he skates. I was going to say, it's definitely the smell. I've been trying to get Yankee Candles to do a freshly Zambonied candle forever. Uh, there's, there's definitely a unique smell to a clean sheet of ice when the Zamboni gets off. And it, for me, it's just a total escape. It, there's... I always tell people what, when they ask like, well, why, what makes skating so hard? Why is it different from other sports? And it, um, any other sport, you're at least starting in your own element, like soccer, basketball, football, you're running. And since a kid, since you're a baby, you get put on the floor, you crawl, you walk, you run. Skating is your, it's a completely new element you're put on ice, you're, you're literally walking on water and it's just, it really feels like you're taken out of your world and put into a new one. And it's, I'm sure anybody who has a passion for their sport will make the same argument that it's escapism for them, but there really is something otherworldly about skating. Well, it definitely is not natural. It's, it's one thing I would say um, (laughs) growing up and being athletic like I learned how to skate at a, at a much older age, but um, I could always play basketball, even though it wasn't my sport, well enough to continue with. But ice skating, ask Dave. He's the one who convinced me to, to learn how to skate. Um, the first day I, I showed up, the, the, the trainer was basically like, hey, you know you're supposed to learn how to skate before you play hockey, right? Um, I couldn't stop. Ooh, I could, yeah, I was harsh. But listen, if you saw me that day, you'd understand exactly why he was saying that. So. Um, and he got me to the point to do backwards crossovers, but it's not a natural sport where I could play basketball. I could play baseball. I could do all those other things. So it's definitely a skilled sport. So I will definitely give you kudos in regards to that. Sure. 
And I also blame Dave because he's the one who got my son into hockey. Yeah, wow. we'll, we'll take we'll take the the blame. Well, Anna started on hockey, uh, so we we actually started together. So Anna and Blakey are really uh, close friends, and you know we've been uh, we've known uh, you know Chris and, and his family for since the kids were two. Uh, so the kids have always been close. So they started learn to skate together at the same time, uh, and then you know Chris was always you had, you didn't have anything to do with hockey. You were you know no. football guy and and everything. Uh, and then, you know, his wife is from Minnesota, so they, they have some exposure to, to hockey. And I know she loves uh, the sport. But then, you know, Anna and Blake started hockey pretty much at the same time, I think, right after Learn to Skate. And they did, I remember their first, they did a quote unquote hockey lesson together the first time. Um, and, you know, that was fun. And then, you know, pretty soon Blake took to hockey and Anna was doing spirals while playing hockey. So you kind of realize why she went over to the figure skating. Yeah. Her heart wasn't in that for the beginning. No, No, she liked, she liked everything. She loves everything about, about skating. And that's, that's the fun part. You know, as, as you said, she's smiling when she's out there. Um, and she could just skate. She never complains once about going to the rink. You know, she doesn't always want to, you know, do, you know, the self-motivation that, that, uh, you know, a lot of skaters that, you know, sometimes that you need, but she enjoys being on the ice. Right. Nobody wants um, to wake up at 4 a.m., but once you're there, then there's no regrets. It exactly. seems like we're, it does seem like we're lucky in this area that we don't have that. Um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of available ice time. That's so true. That, Living in Massachusetts, it's, we're like the mecca of skating here. There's more ice rinks within like a five mile radius during winter here than in like the entire state of Montana. It's yeah. I, one of which the is, reasons I want to move here. Which is bizarre because Montana, you would think that there'd be um, a lot of, well, I guess there's a lot of open air ice, correct? A, a lot of ice, a lot of just cold space. We just don't have the population. If you think about the cost of, um, you know, keeping the compressors running and my, my home club, it, pretty much every ice rink in Montana has to close as soon as hockey season's over. So we're usually closed from mid-April through um, things pick up again at the end of August. But um, it's just uh, the biggest our skating club ever was was maybe 20 people. Wow. And then it's just, yeah, uh, we're definitely built for it, cold weather. But um, I know it's, it's not the same, whereas uh, so like, my mom's side of the family is all from Fargo, North Dakota, and my grandpa played hockey pretty much up until the the day he was not with us anymore. And um, they had, I think the landscape in Minnesota, North Dakota is a little different where they have more lakes, um, flatter surfaces, so they can do a lot of pickup uh, hockey and uh, um, recreational teams outdoors, whereas Montana... We do have lakes and stuff, but for whatever reason, we just didn't develop the same culture and obsession with hockey. We we do have hockey and we like it there, but there's something about like Minnesota, North Dakota that's just there. It's crazy, they, yeah. They eat, live, and breathe it. It's like a little slice of Canada that moved down. It is. Well, my in-laws live in Wyzetta, and from their house, they can walk to six different rinks. So, and that's, that's the dream. Yeah, it's it's walking distance. I, I always laugh. Um, but that's why my wife got my son into, I mean, I always blame Dave. I always give him a hard time, but, uh, thank you. He, he, I'm glad he introduced my wife into the, into the sport and, and introduced the, that class. Cause she absolutely loves hockey. And, so how close are we to introducing him to figure skating? Uh, Blake, 
playing yeah. figure skating. Um, you have to talking. Know. <laughs> I mean, we did have we did we did discuss. We had some conversations with Max Aaron, and he played hockey up until the age of sixteen. A lot yeah. of them do. Yeah. yeah, a lot of them switch over because they realize all the pretty girls are in figure skating. You there know? you go. So it could be a strategic move. Well, but see, as I tell my son though, and I'll keep this PG. <laughs> Uh, women weakened legs, like Rocky said. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, there's some truth to that. Let, let's keep him out of trouble. I knew I had my own trouble in that within that department. So, All right. um, <laughs> so Boston uh, or the skating club um, in Norwood—that's massive. I actually drove on uh, University Avenue the other day, and we took a picture of Anna in front of the uh, construction sign. Um, have you have you gone down there at all to see the new uh, um, rink? Yeah, actually, um, uh, I was very lucky just a couple weeks um, before all the madness started. We, I was able to do a walkthrough of the entire facility um, and, and get a check out my space. It was There weren't walls or anything put up yet, just beams, so I got a very rough idea of, of space um, and shape. But it's it's a behemoth of a, a facility, and it's... You, I follow, I've been following it on the, the club's website forever, but there's nothing like actually being in there and walking through and seeing it. It's just, it's massive. Um, it's going to be a skater's paradise. So now how, um, how much bigger is your store going to be? Um, it's going to be roughly 700 square feet, which doesn't sound huge, but if you haven't, for those of you who don't know what my store is now, that's like nearly twice the space I have now. So it'll, I think it'll be a good balance of more space for functional space, you know, for people who are trying on skates and need to walk around without worrying about stepping on other customers um, and maybe just a more comfortable waiting room area. But at the same time, skating, it's a tough industry to have a lot of inventory and overhead designs are constantly um, getting discontinued or redesigned. And the last thing you want to do is order in ten thousand dollars worth of inventory in this particular boot and then you know it it was the flavor of the month and and now no longer and you're stuck with inventory you gotta liquidate so um i think i'm excited for more space but i also i i like my cozy little little hole in the wall shop style so i think it's always going to kind of have that little nook feeling to it but it'll definitely be an upgrade so chris it's a throwback type of store in a great way where you go in there and, and uh, the, you know, the owners and the employees know who you are, know who your kid is. They just, you know, they're talking to you about um, this and that and, it, you know, but they know you, which is yeah. personal touch, which you, personal touch, which you don't see at very many um, small business, even small businesses these days, just because a lot of things are, are moving in very fast paced Um you know, a lot of online sales or everyone's shopping price. But I think, yep. um, especially with you, Asen, I don't think people are, are shopping necessarily for price. I think people are shopping for your expertise and service. Well, um, I think there's a healthy mix of both. I think once you have been in the sport for, let's say, <clears throat> a couple years, you realize that um, it's well worth spending a couple extra dollars to make sure you get the right product just for your kids' safety and development. Another thing I like to remind people of, um, particularly in my industry, but I know for a fact in other industries, we as consumers are trained to believe that the salesperson is trying to um, 
haggle with you or get more money out of you. And we, we have this complex where we think everything is better on Amazon. But um, in, in Scheme, for instance, I don't set the prices of those products. The companies do. So Jackson says, uh, this boot is going to cost $2.99. And that's, that's it. Um, it can't get any lower. And that's the MAP price. So I, I myself and most other shops, we use that lower price. And if you go on Amazon, if you find a lower price, it's either um, a used model, something's faulty with it, or the, it's a, a mislisted ad. But we have this assumption that you're going to save money on Amazon. And in this industry, it's really not true. Because if you come into my store and you buy a, a boot and a blade, I'm only going to charge you for that boot and that blade, but I'm going to put in an extra hour of work. That boot needs to be heat molded to your foot and needs to be adjusted. Maybe you need to punch out here, stretch there. Then you got to mount the blade, sharpen the blade. If you go and buy that boot and blade on Amazon, you're then going to have to come to somebody like me and pay upwards of, you know, that time could get up to a hundred dollars depending on who you go to. So it's, um, it's something that skating parents learn after they've been around for a couple of years. And a, a big part of it too is um, I always joke that the coach is the boss <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to do what your coach says. And most coaches will just tell you if you're serious about this sport and you want your kid to be safe, to go see somebody in a store. And I guarantee you, Jeff Bezos does not have the skating experience. I do. <laughs> He's great at a lot of other things, but yeah. not skating. <laughs> so you mean his algorithm doesn't actually punch out the boot for you? <laughs> no, and I don't think it's going to automatically make you an Olympian. But, you know. And it's, <laughs> it's interesting because we've, you know, the amount of time that your kid spends in the in your skating store, you know, and it's probably not just your store. It's, you know, it's a lot of stores, but there has to be that trust and, you know, you're I've, I don't know, like I've seen, I think I'm using the right term, like you give the kids like uh, stickers to put on their boot where they're feeling pain points or something like that. Yep. And then they walk around and then you do something to, <laughs> to make them just right. And yep. it's just that, that extra level. I mean, actually the last time we bought uh, blades from you, um, we, um, we. Matrix uh, Legacy Blades. And see how, how you're, yeah. how, how she remembers she has... the exact. <laughs> she has Talia's old Jackson debut fusion boots. See, I See, remember. The amazing that's the amazing thing. That's she remembers who we got it from, the actual boot, the actual blade. I can't remember my husband's birthday, but I can remember that. And that's 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 why we love going in. <laughs> uh, but the additional thing we were able to do is we were able to um, skate on the blade. Um just to make sure that I guess I think you were looking. There was she was complaining about one piece of something or another, um, and she was able to instead of just sitting on the ice, walking around, she was actually able to go in and just hop on the ice for a few rotations just to make sure that she was comfortable. Um, yeah, that and, is the beauty of having your pro shop in the ice rink. Now, the one thing I do have to say is that you have to be a club member. So luckily, Anna's a club member and was able to right. get on, but. Yeah, if you're somebody off the street without a membership, unfortunately, you wouldn't have that privilege. But that's it's so handy because there's so many times where I'll get a skater who they know something is wrong and they can't they they can't articulate it. They don't know how to describe it, 
And it's so nifty to have them. I'll actually go out at times if it's a quieter day and say like, okay, go do a lap, go do some power pulls, do a scratch spin, uh, back outside edge on your right foot. And usually just seeing those things, I, we can figure it out. And then it's a matter of, all right, come back in the shop, two minutes with the skate, fix that, tweak that back on the ice. And then, and then problem solves. Uh, I, not a hundred percent, but I have a pretty good battering average with that. The one thing that I will say, and this is something we need to find someone to help out with is, um, it, where the blade is mounted. Uh, cause you had asked us some questions before and I didn't know how to ask, answer the question or ask the question. Um, and you were like, ask your, ask Anna's coach where, where, where the blade should be mounted on the boot. I, it's always so important to work with the coach because they, they know your skater better than anybody. Um, so with blade mounts for figure skates, um, when you get into the more intermediate advanced designs, you have the ability to move it slightly. So let's say you um, pronate really badly. Um, we can, first of all, you want to correct that with a, an orthotic, but also you can adjust and move the blade inward slightly because um, everybody's center balance on their foot is a little different. Um, pronation, supination, bow-legged, I don't know, the wind is blowing a different direction when you were born that day. Everybody is so unique with their, how their foot feels and, and how they feel the blade needs to be for them to feel stable. Um, so my guess is I was probably asking something about when she skated in them, does the blade mount look correct or does it need to be moved to the inside or outside? And generally, if the coach doesn't say anything, that means green light, we're good to go. Um, a good coach is going to know right away if you, your skater gets on the ice and, you know, no matter, obviously you still have to work on your upper body and make sure you're checking your arms, your, your core is tight. Cause if you're loosey goosey upstairs, your downstairs is going to be a disaster. But if your kid is trying to do a one foot glide and no matter how perfect their upper body and posture is, they're just constantly veering off onto an inside edge. That's generally a sign. We got to tweak that blade a little bit. Now we're off ice. So if folks aren't on the ice. Um, are there recommended tools that you have for uh, skaters right now to keep practicing? I know a lot of folks are doing exercise and ballet, um, but what about some skating, you know, some, you know, well, what, what do you suggest? So what I suggest is there are things called spin boards, um, and they're meant to mimic the curve of a blade, the rocker. So they have that, that pivot point, and then it's just a, a flat board for your foot to go on. And it lets you practice spins and rotation off ice. And uh, I also, before I recommend products, I check with coaches too. And that's one of those products that like nine out of 10 coaches say, this is great. It's effective. It's fun. It keeps the kids interested, but it, if you go onto social media and, um, just look up a hashtag of a day, a spinner, you're going to see some of these kids, you would think they were on the ice with a skate on their foot. The, they're able to do hundreds of rotations at a time and change positions. And it, that's been a really great tool because it's relatively inexpensive compared to the world of skating. It's around $45 and it shouldn't ever break on you or you'll never outgrow it. It can be a one-time purchase. And, um, that's, that's something that's been really helpful. Uh, check with your coach. Every coach is going to have different 
recommendations for off-ice training. Some coaches really love jump ropes, excellent cardio, and you don't need a lot of space to do it. Um, uh, I know some coaches who like to tape an X on the floor with like duct tape and then do different plyometric jumps with it. Um, and then at, at this point, the name of the game is just stay active to keep doing cardio, strength training, do some squats in there. Um, one thing I will warn people about is uh, there's a big trend with uh, inline skates right now. Um, uh, Pick skate is a very popular brand. What I remind people of is that these skates have been uh, the they've they're not a new concept. They've been around since the 90s. And if it truly was the equivalent of figure skating, and instead of having to pay thousands of dollars to contract ice, you could just go skate in your parking lot. These things would have taken off and figure skating would have died out. They are different and they do have a similar feel um, and you can attempt jumps in them. But I'm really worried about people who are trying to go out and do axles and double sows in a set of roller skates without their coach there to watch. And, you know, falling on asphalt is a whole different story than falling on ice. So if you do get these roller skates, don't get me wrong, they can be excellent for cardio, for getting outside, for endurance, and they're super fun. But I, I'm really encouraging people, don't jump and try to do crazy things in them, even though you have that false sense of, this is exactly like my pair of figure skates. Um, they're not, they're quite, they're different. They don't have the same uh, shape of the blade. The timing for a jump takeoff is different. The balance point is different. So if you do get these roller skates or roller blades, have fun with them and use them for endurance, but just be really careful. Wear a helmet, wear all the padding you can put on your body because the last thing we want is people hurting themselves, especially now when you know we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals more than they already are. We wanted to ask you about those, the roller skates, um, because we have looked into those, uh, both Chris and I. Um, in talking about different things. And, you know, it definitely um, is something that right now I think a lot of people are looking at getting. Oh, but, yeah. But, you know, in hearing from a number of people, it is a, it's not really the the safest thing because you can break a wrist. You, you know, you're, you're not used to falling. You're used to falling on ice, but you're not used to falling on cement. Well, road, road rash is a lot different than ice. Ice, you at least slide. <laughs> yeah. uh, pavement, you just don't. So it just buries itself into you. And um, I mean, I don't want to discourage anyone from trying it. I, I've done it. It's super fun and it can be good exercise, but I just, I worry about people. Um, and some of them are very expensive. You know, I've seen the, some of them listed online for $600 and it's just, it just get yourself a good pair of rollerblades. And I think that would be just as beneficial because it's, we just don't want people, especially without the, the helpful watch of a coach right there to help them with technique and stuff with, we want to make sure people don't get duped into thinking this is exactly like ice skating. Cause it, it definitely, isn't. it's not bad. I'm not discrediting it. It can be fun, but I just, I'm discouraging people from trying to jump in them. Gotcha. Well, it's similar. Like we, we talk about this from a hockey perspective is actually when my son, he's been rollerblading a ton. Cause obviously there's no ice. Um, sure. But it's always funny the first time he goes back to ice, it's almost like he forgets how to skate because he's so used yeah. to rollerblades. Yeah, um, you tweak your posture, you adjust, uh, yep. especially kids, they can adjust and relearn so quickly. 
And I just think about how many hours and thousands of dollars go into good coaching to get proper technique and posture and positioning. And then uh, you can very quickly lose that because you adjust to a different feeling. Yep, exactly. So if I go out, Aislinn, you know, everyone is looking for things, right? So the quarantine came in. I, I'll, I'll use the word quarantine, right? Sure. So things shut down, ice rinks shut down. So now you have skaters who are skating 35 hours a week. Let's hypothetically say um, ice time costs, uh, I don't know, even number, right? So $20. So if they're they're spending uh, $700 a week in ice time, I mean, that's 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 sort of 500 a week in ice time. So 2000 a month. So if I went out and bought $2,000 or $4,000 worth of fake ice. Um, oh, no. Okay, I knew this was going to come and up. It comes up on our, on our show. So what happens? I, they say on all these things that, that they're similar to ice, that there's no damage to the blades. Give us the, uh, give us the truth. Lies. Oh, lies. Okay. Um, could permanent damage to the blade? No, if you're lucky, but it it certainly doles them out much quicker. And since you guys know now there's only a a finite amount of sharpenings you can do on a blade, obviously, if you're wearing them down much, much faster because you're on this fake ice, then that does take a toll. But uh, so I actually, I've skated on several different kinds of fake ice. Um, We would have Back when I used to skate for Disney on ice, sometimes we would have um, small, not the actual ice itself. That part was always true ice, but maybe you had like a pot or platform that you would step up on and sometimes that would be it. Um, And then I remember here in Boston, actually, it was like a business uh, trade show sort of thing. Um, There was a guy promoting and I don't, I don't remember the brand and I, I wouldn't want to say it anyway because I wouldn't want to badmouth anyone, but it was a, a man promoting fake ice that you could set up in your house, in your backyard. And he had a display there and I was actually there for, for my storm for skating. I had my skates with me and I tried it and I was on there for two seconds. I looked at him, I said, are you a skater? Well, no, but uh, my my uh, my eight year old plays hockey and he loves it. I'm like, okay, an eight year old is gonna love anything that's hockey, yes, because they they're enthused about the sport, right? But if you yourself were a skater, there's no way you would be promoting this right now. Um, and that's not to say there might be different types and different brands that maybe have fine tuned it a little better, but the, every single kind I have experienced it. I would not feel safe doing anything more than just stroking and maybe a crossover. And even that was dicey. And that I remember that day cause I was not, I had my skates with me, but I was actually in a dress and I thought, Lord, if I go down, I'm in a dress and there are cameras here. This is not going to be good. Um, it is not, I would actually say rollerblading is going to, good old fashioned rollerblades is going to be more beneficial. So the question of, do you sell it is probably an answer of no. You would be correct there. Now I will say businesses are always developing and improving and changing. It is possible. There is a magic fake ice out there that I have not experienced that would make me take back all those words, but I'm, I'm pretty positive it's not because I also, I, you know, I have friends all over the world who are professional skaters and coaches. And if this 
again, if you think about how expensive ice is and how much money we put in that sport, if there really truly was an equivalent or a, a good option for cross training that would cut back on the expense, that thing would be all over the place. And, um, it's not for a reason. <laughs> so basically nothing is replacing frozen water. Think of ice as it's the love of your life. You can't replace it. There's no rebound for ice skating. It's the love of your life and we're all missing it. <laughs> we went through a bad breakup and we're hoping we can get back together. So <laughs> there you go. That's a great example. Well, Aislinn, I, I know you've given us a ton of information tonight. Um, What's if, if I wanted to schedule an appointment next week, how would I go about doing that? Um, best thing to do would be to email me. Um, it is my first name, A-I-S-L-I-N-N. That's two N's as in Nancy at homeiceboston.com. And um, we can just figure out times. Again, I got to make sure that the time works for the skating club itself because my store is located in the skating club. Um, and then uh, always, uh, if it's hard to remember my first name and you just want to go to the website, you can find it there. Homeiceboston.com. Awesome. That's why I was, that was, that was my next question is, is this, this listed in your, your, uh, I know this, this news just came out, uh, what Monday or Tuesday? What's, I don't know what day today is. It came out yesterday and yeah. I've been glued to every news outlet and following Charlie Baker, like a I don't know, a teenage girl following Justin Bieber. Is he, I don't even know if he's popular anymore, but like I've been following the governor fanatically. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure it's, it's, it's got, it's, it's had, had to be tough um, not having your business open and, and you've got to be chopping at the bit to get everything open and getting back out. Now, have you heard anything about the ice rinks and when they will be well, opening? So here's the thing. I am praying that they can, categorize themselves to fit into phase two. So my understanding is phase two is allowing some youth sports to begin. Um, and then phase three had, uh, sports clubs and gyms. So skating rinks are kind of, you might think of a skating rink as a gym or a sports club, but you can also argue, well, it's, it's youth sports. Um, obviously things like, uh, probably actual hockey where there's contact synchronized skating. Those are going to be out of the question for a while, but just to get, you know, 10 bodies on the ice to skate, it, you know, it, I think we can make a good case for ice rinks being able to open with limited numbers and, and obviously all safety precautions. I am so hoping by phase two, I'm probably jinxing us all by saying that out loud, but um, I, my dream would be if we could get some ice rinks up and running in some capacity by mid June, that would be the dream. And I, it may not happen, but that's, that's what I got to hope for. Well, I, I would probably agree with you. Uh, the only, and, and this may help you and hopefully this is true, but I've, I've got a lot of, um, uh, hockey skills, uh, clinics and things. Um, I know New York and New Jersey are opening in the next two weeks. Um, mm -hmm. limited, but, but still opening, at least allowing 10 people on the ice and, and the hockey players have to go to the, um, the fish bowls now instead of the wire cage. Um, sure. now I know that there's a Eastern selects my, my son made an Eastern selects camp and I know they're actually planning on the end of June doing that, um, in New Hampshire. So it sounds like things are going to start opening up. Um, I hope they open up sooner rather than later, um, just so these, these guys don't lose too much money and they can still maintain. Cause not, 
my biggest fear is that some of these rinks will go out of business. Oh, a hundred percent. I, there, I think there are a lot of, as actually just reading the globe. Um, I, I think a lot of businesses are, they're not going to be able to come back from this and that it's heartbreaking. And, um, I, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but the, the cost of keeping an ice rink going, it, it ain't cheap, you know, and it, you gotta, if you're having no income, no skaters, no teams, no events, it's, you can only hold on for so long. Exactly. You still have your, your normal expenses. You still have insurances. You still have everything normal and you're dumping out money. And I just saw a rink out in, um, in, uh, California just shuttered, just closed. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there, unfortunately there could be some more programs, coaches, maybe, you know, looking at a different line of work. Um, definitely there's going to be a lot of challenges and changes if it, if we don't uh, get back. There is. And uh, the one thing I tell myself to help myself sleep at night is, as you guys know now, skaters, figure skaters, hockey players, we are all a special kind of crazy. And we're all pretty dedicated, I would say, at times to an unhealthy extreme. And (laughs) I think it's going to be weird and it's going to be slow but I think we're going to rally and we might lose. Some people might not come back, but the people who do, I, I don't think we're ever going to get on the ice and take it for granted again. I think we're just any extra minute we have on the ice, we're going to make the most of it and just really appreciate it. Like we never were able to before. All right, great. Well, it was great having you. Uh, so again, uh, they can reach you at Aislinn at Home Ice Boston. Dot com and also uh, homeiceboston.com is your website. Yep, exactly. And you are located at the Skating Club of Boston. Was that 1240 Soldiers Field Road? 1240 Soldiers Field Road, Brighton, Mass. So, Dave, that was a great interview with Aislinn. That was really exciting. She had a lot of great points, a lot of great tips, and uh, uh, I'm glad to see that uh, I believe as of the other day, uh, Aislinn is back with curbside pickup for sharpenings and other equipment. Yeah, exactly. Very informative. Uh, very good. I, I'm definitely going to start taking my skates up to her now. Absolutely. So. And remember, mention public ice to all of our listeners when you when you contact Aislinn. Yes, please do because we'll we'll get a, a bone. We'll, we'll get a little plug for us, and and you may get a discount. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we don't know that, but you never know. Just just. Yeah. Uh, but Aislinn Aislinn is great. So, Chris, what's that time? Uh, it's time for the, the, the hockey chirp of the week. So um, this one I heard uh, was, was pretty interesting, but um, it, it's going to be a little questionable. So the, the, one of the best hockey chirps Blake has ever heard is he said, does your coach know you're out here? <laughs> so so you, you get it. It's a little bit more subtle, I but I, I thought it was very ingenious. <laughs> I started laughing pretty hard when I heard that. That's that's that is that is great. Yeah, I'm so, going to utilize that one. I know, I know. It's it's, it's one of those subtle ones you kind of have to think about for a second, but you're like, wait a second. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'm going to slash that kid next time. <laughs> <laughs> Does your coach know you're out here? All right. Well, on that note. This concludes another episode. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, signing off, I'm Chris. I'm Dave. 
see you on the ice.